Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Six, four, Welcome to another episode of the 643 Podcast with yours truly, Dylan Short, as per usual. Good day to wake up a Braves fan today. Um, If you did not watch the game last night, boy, did you miss out. And for Braves fans, I almost feel like we shouldn't really be surprised at what we saw last night, but that wouldn't really be fair when describing what we all saw out of Spencer Strider last night. First, I mean, the best news, obviously, is the Braves win 11 to nothing after struggling in the final game against San Diego and then getting swept by Houston. It was nice to break up the losing streak. And there's no other team for the Braves uh, that, that's as good as a get-right game as Miami. Now, for Miami, that was never going to be a good matchup for them versus Spencer Strider. It ended up being a terrible matchup. They ended up making two errors. Only got two hits on the day. Uh, and for the Braves, it was it was nice to be able to, to get a team that was kind of throwing a pitcher uh, that really, you know, and, and I'm a, don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of Edward Cabrera, but a, a pitcher that has really good stuff but can't really kind of control it. Now, typically, I would say that's actually a pretty bad matchup for the Braves as a lot of members of this Braves team are very free swingers uh, and will swing at, at pitchers' pitches, particularly if they're a little bit anxious and if a guy is able to just throw just enough strikes. And for a little bit, for a few of the guys, that was kind of the case. As uh, Edward Cabrera, who did not pitch well yesterday, um, he actually had six strikeouts in four and a third, which is not really surprising. He's a guy that can get a good number of strikeouts, but he's a guy that gets a high number of walks, and he had four walks in four and a third. That's a guy that's throwing, at least going into the game last night, was only throwing about 30% of his pitches inside the strike zone. Now, you'd figure the easy answer to that would be, okay, if you know this guy's not going to throw in the strike zone, um, just don't swing at the pitches out of the zone. Make him actually come into the zone. Now, that was the case for a number of the Braves hitters. The Braves offense mustered 12 hits to go along with those 11 runs. But you did kind of see a few guys struggle with the strikeouts. And actually, there were only two players on the Braves who went over who did not get a hit. Actually, I take that back. There were three Braves players that did not record a hit. Ronald Acuna Jr., which was a little bit of a surprise. Marcelo Zuna, which is not a surprise at all. He shouldn't be playing. And Ada Adrianza, who got the start at shortstop over Vaughn Grissom after a very bad day defensively for Vaughn Grissom the night before. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I want to focus on the good things before we even get into uh, t- before we get into the bad things. And, and obviously, the offense, uh, they brought... <laughs> They brought the bats. Uh, You got home runs from Austin Riley, Sean Murphy, Eddie Rosario, and two home runs for Sam Hilliard, who at this point, we can just go ahead and start calling him Slam Hilliard. What this guy has done 
Uh, sitting at 333, 412, 622 with a 1034 OPS on the season. I, I don't care if you were a, a Hilliard believer coming into the season. Not one person thought the numbers would be this high. Now, you dig a little deeper. The numbers aren't going to stay where they are. Like the BABIP is extremely high for him right now. His his you know his underlying numbers all point to you know regression is going to be coming, which is not a surprise, and it's not anything bad about Sam Hilliard. the The great part of this is even when regression hits, just based off of the data that he's kind of provided already, he will still be a good player. This is one of the most damning evidences of the Colorado Rockies and how bad they are as a development farm. I mean, that's Sam Hilliard's a guy that you look at him and, and he screams that he should be an athlete. And he's talked about before when he came over to Atlanta this year, one of the big things he was doing was just going back to being an athlete, not thinking quite as much, just, you know, kind of playing ball and seeing where it takes him. And what's happened is the Braves have found a guy that's helping keep them afloat and not just keep them afloat, but, but play really, really well despite the fact that there's still no Michael Harris, and despite the fact that you're getting less than nothing from left field, and that's including Eddie Rosario, who did hit a homer yesterday and had two hits. So maybe we'll see Eddie kind of knock out of this slump a little bit. But the left field situation for the Braves has been far and away the worst in baseball. I mean, Eddie Rosario, just in terms of war value, has been one of the worst players in baseball. And Marcelo Zuna has been the worst out of 313 hitters Marcelo Zuna is 313th. He's been worth negative 0.7 F war. And at this point, we might see him get to negative one before the Braves eventually pull the cord on him. But all of that doesn't matter when you've got guys like Sam Hilliard and even Kevin Pillar, who might not be hitting, but is providing great defense in left field. Sam Hilliard has essentially just played center field. And at this point in time, I, I think you'd be crazy if you don't go to Sam Hilliard as, as your starting left fielder once Michael Harris comes back, at least for as long as he's riding this hot streak. Now, is he going to continue riding this hot streak? Is he going to turn back into the same Hilliard that we saw? I don't really know, but he's more than earned this opportunity to start in left field when Harris comes back. Even if, even if the numbers kind of don't stay otherworldly like they are now, it almost doesn't matter. He's played really good defense. He's already robbed a homer in, in an incredible play. He's he's just he's played well. He's been fast. He's been on base. He's been great at the bottom of this order. At this point, you, you should reward him first and foremost. But also, if the other guys aren't playing well, then they haven't earned a starting spot either. And I guess this is that's really the main takeaway to have a guy like Sam Hilliard just do what he's been doing. It, it's just been an incredible boon. And don't look now, but Ozzy Albies is heating up. Now, the, the overall line is still not very impressive. 253, 289, 462. If he really wants to get rewarded in terms of his, his lines and his stats, he's going to have to take some walks. But over the past, you know, about the past week, Ozzy has really done a good job driving in runs. I believe he's driven in over 30% of the Braves' runs over the past, like, four or five games. He's starting to really get it together. He's, he's starting to kind of do some really good things. He went two for five with three RBI yesterday, uh, including a triple. Now it was, you know, one of those triples where a guy dove in left field, missed it, so it ends up going to the wall, and that's a triple. But we'll take it for Ozzy Albies. And you look at Ozzy, and while there's no question he's kind of struggled a bit offensively, he's sitting here with 21 RBI, and you'll take that all day, any day. Now, the defense for the Braves yesterday, not their best day. Matt Olson and Austin Riley both had errors in a day that the main story for Major League Baseball, and I mean for Major League Baseball, is going to be Spencer Strider. 
who took a perfect game bid into the seventh inning, I believe it was, when Matt Olson made an error on a ground ball. Terrible way to lose a perfect game. Matt Ol- or uh, Austin Riley also made an error yesterday. Uh, just kind of boofed it. And then Spencer did allow two hits. The first hit was was a little dink job by Gene Segura because, of course, it was Gene Segura uh, on a pitch that was nowhere near a strike. It was actually a beautiful pitch. Uh, should have been a swing and miss. But Segura was able to just flick it into left field. In there went the no-hitter. He then allowed another hit that inning. But when you look at the overall line for Spencer Strider, eight innings, two hits, no walks, no runs, 13 strikeouts for Spencer Strider, lowering his ERA to 1.8, his whip to .83. Through 101 pitches, 81 of them were strikes. So you know how we've talked about with Spencer early on this year? It clearly looked like he was taking stuff off of his fastball, trying to pace himself and go deeper into games. I didn't think that that was the right way for Spencer to approach it. Now, listen, he's not going to throw eight innings of 101 pitches with 81 strikes every time out there. It's not going to happen. The Marlins didn't have Luis Arise in the lineup either yesterday, so that's that's one guy that could probably have done a little bit more. But when Spencer is locked in the way that he was yesterday, he had 31 swinging strikes on the fastball and the slider. Just unreal. You look at Spencer right now. He is the most devastating strikeout pitcher in all of baseball. And I'll say this. We talk about Ronald Acuna. He's a must-watch player. He's one of the most talented players in the game. Uh, Michael Harris, we all believe, can kind of get to that point. I I wouldn't classify him as must-watch for, like, league-wide yet. I think he'll get there. Spencer Strider is a must-watch player. Anytime Spencer Strider's on the hill, you have to tune in and watch because he can do what he did last night at the drop of a hat. At any opportunity, in any game, Spencer can go out there and look like what he looked like yesterday. And he was not getting a ton of help from the umpire. Like, maybe there was a missed call here or there, but mostly if there was a missed call, it was on one of those that that he generally will get where the ball kind of clips the black and didn't get it. His fastball was absolutely perfect yesterday. You didn't see a lot of the hundreds or even 98s. There was a lot of 97s yesterday, a few 96s. Might have seen a 98 or two, but it was placed perfectly, and it was getting on hitters in its normal way just extremely quickly. Hitters just just were not on time with it. He was mixing it up beautifully. You saw a few change-ups get put into play there that were Really good changeups as well. The slider was doing everything it needed to do. It was just kind of the perfect game for Spencer Strider. It looked a lot like that Colorado start last year where he got 16 strikeouts. To throw 101 pitches, 80% of them for strikes, and to have 13 strikeouts and go eight innings of 101 pitches, it's remarkable efficiency. When you look at Spencer Strider, I think there's a real case to be made that not only is he you know, a must-watch player in the game. I think you could really consider him to be... I don't want to go too over the top with this, but I I don't think it's that far out of the realm of possibility that we're looking at a guy that we could... We're now going to be looking at to see if he's the best pitcher in baseball. It's it's a little early to make that claim. You need to see him do it over the course of a full season. Uh, last year was incredible. What he's done over his past tw- his last 25 starts is like even higher than DeGrom in terms of strikeout rates, which lets you know how insane this is. 
But that's the territory that we're starting to enter in with Spencer Strider. And some cool news, you're going to be able to listen to Spencer Strider on Chuck and Chernoff later on today. They're getting an interview with the ace. And, and this is this is kind of the thing here. I love Max Fried. Max Fried is an ace in baseball. Spencer's better. I was kind of mulling this over yesterday when they were talking about all the strikeouts and how uh, he got his ninth consecutive nine strikeout game yesterday, which puts him uh, into the single first place for the Braves. It, it jumps him officially ahead of John Smoltz. You look at what the Braves have going on with their rotation right now. There's a lot of similarities to the Braves rotation right now and what we had in the 90s. You look at at Max Freed, and you would kind of say Glavin. Now, maybe because he's left-handed. Now, Freed has way better stuff than Glav ever had. Um, but I would say, you know, Max would be the Tom Glavin, also the one that was here first. Strider is an easy parallel for John Smoltz. I, again, I think stuff is just way, way better. And that's not a knock on John Smoltz. It's just Spencer has better stuff than basically any pitcher I've ever seen. The question is, who's that Maddox? Maybe it's Mike Soroka. Maybe it ends up being Kyle Wright. I don't know. Now, Maddox was the best of the three, obviously. And we're just talking about in sheer terms of talent. I don't know. But Soroka certainly looked early on when he was coming up. He certainly looked like Maddox. That's why we gave him the Maple Maddox nickname. If that happens to be the case and Kyle Wright is, say, your Steve Avery, maybe a healthy Steve Avery or your Kevin Millwood type, to go along with the offense the Braves have, I, I have no problem saying this is going to be a dynasty. Now, am I getting a little ahead of myself by comparing, you know, the Braves' rotation right now, who are still a bunch of young guys, uh, for the most part, to, to three Hall of Famers? Sure, a little bit, yeah. But you do kind of get those vibes. Like, one of the key parts, aside from the three of them being Hall of Famers in the 90s, what I'm really getting at here is that was three pitchers that whenever they took the mound for the Braves all throughout the 1990s, the Braves, you assumed, were the team that was going to win. You feel that way with Max. You definitely feel that way with Spencer. And you felt that way with Soroka before the injury issues. And I think, based on what was what we saw from him his last time out, we'll see what happens the next couple of times if he's able to keep that going. But if he comes back and he looks like the Soroka that we saw the last time he was healthy, then you certainly feel that way about Soroka now. It is... It is an incredible thing for a team to be able to have one of like the actual worst player in baseball getting meaningful reps for some unknown reason. Currently running out Ada Adrianza at shortstop, as well as Vaughn Grissom, who isn't really hitting to the level that we want to see him hit right now. And if he's not hitting, then he's probably not going to be playing defense. Now, I think I think part of the problem for his bat right now is he's trying to focus too much on the defense, but he has been brutal defensively. So you're not getting a ton out of shortstop with Orlando Arcee on the shelf. You're not really getting anything out of left field unless Pilar plays, and then it's really defense, not offense. We'll see if Eddie can kind of turn it around. But that's two spots in the lineup that you're getting absolutely nothing out of at this moment. And yet you still feel like every time out there, the Braves should be the favorites in pretty much whatever game they play. Now, part of that is also because the lineup happens to have Ronald Acuna and Matt Olson and Austin Riley and Sean Murphy, who's become one of the best players in baseball this season and a whole host of others. But it's also because you kind of feel like this offense really only needs to score three or four runs to win every game they play. That doesn't always happen like that. The bullpen had a terrible series against Houston. But more times than not, that's what it feels like. It's why this Braves team, despite losing four in a row, they're still ranked number two in power rankings and why everybody still looks at this team as the favorites to win the World Series or at least get there. It is 
it's a remarkable team. I keep saying that. I keep going back to that. But but it really point blank, that's what it is. I don't I don't know of another team that can roll out this level of dominance at, at every level of the team. Houston is close, and I know Houston just swept the Braves. But again, if you look at the two teams and just don't don't base this off of the last series, although I will point out the Braves led essentially 50, I think it was 50 of the 57 innings. That doesn't sound right. But the Braves led for most of that most of that series until the very end when the bullpen would kind of blow it. But the Braves were leading the vast majority of those games. The bullpen's not going to keep blowing it. They're about to get Rysel Iglesias back. They're also, by the way, about to get Michael Harris back. Harris and Iglesias are both about to start rehab assignments. They were taking... Uh, Harris was actually taking swings off of Rysel Iglesias yesterday. So it looks like it's... it's Maybe the Mets series is kind of what I've seen as, as for when we might see Michael Harris back. I think that'd probably be the same for Rysel Iglesias. And Colin McHugh just got activated today. Danny Young, who had pitched very, very well, especially for, for being Danny Young, had pitched exceptionally well. Uh, Danny Young was optioned. But now you get Colin McHugh back into this bullpen. Soon enough, we're going to have the bullpen looking the way it was supposed to look. You'll get Rysel back. AJ will slot down into a setup role along with uh, I would say Nick Anderson's who should be. I don't want to see Nick Anderson drop into being a low leverage righty. But all of a sudden, with Dylan Lee pitching the way he's pitching, all of a sudden this bullpen's going to be back up to full strength. And then you get Michael Harris back in the lineup. At that point, you have to put Sam Hilliard as your starter in left field. And then in DH at that point, if you want to have Eddie be your DH until Travis comes back, then you can figure it out from that point forward. But I don't see a team right now that I think is better than the Atlanta Braves, or at least that, that has the same type of pieces that this Braves team has. It's really incredible. Hopefully they can keep it going against the Marlins, and the Marlins suck. Although I will say, while we just say the Marlins suck and their roster's not great, they are above 500. they They're sitting at 12-11 and 11 right now. Now, that's not the Braves 15-8. and eight. They're still behind the Mets. But the Marlins in third place right now, they've got good pitching. And Arise is really, really good. Now, I don't know that they're going to hold off Philadelphia all year long. Uh, I believe Philadelphia is kind of starting to make a little bit of a move on them. But for the Braves to go out there and do that to Miami, and I know Miami is not a great offensive team. They're not a team that's going to blast a ton of home runs. But they didn't even look competitive against Spencer Strider. And now a lot of teams don't. Maybe we'll get a better idea tonight when we see Charlie Morton pitch against this Miami Mar this Miami lineup. Um, but they're going to be taking on kind of a new pitcher tonight. Uh, it was a Brian Hoeing. This is a, a I believe this is going to be Hoeing's debut. Yes, this is going to be Hoeing's debut. Well, it's not going to be. It's going to be his 2023 debut. Uh, he went one and one last year with a 1208 ERA and only six strikeouts. So I think we're going to see a, another really good potential day for this Braves lineup. Now, Hoeing. Uh, let me see if he's a righty or a lefty. I was kind of thinking we might be able to tell. And, and Hoeing is a righty. So conventional wisdom would say you'll see Hilliard again. You'll also end up seeing, uh, I would hope, Kevin Pillar, but it'll probably end up being Eddie. What you should see is Eddie in, in, I would say Eddie at DH, and then I would say having 
Pilar in left field. Just no need to see Marcelo Zuna because he's absolutely god-awful and he's terrible. He's the worst player in baseball. I don't know why the Braves are so obsessed with getting the, getting him at bats. I thought at one point that it looked like he was just going to play versus lefties, but he started against a righty yesterday. Now, maybe that, maybe that was giving Vaughn Grissom a day off to kind of clear his head uh, after a bad defensive performance. Maybe that was to give Pilar a day off. I don't really know but it was, not, it was not what you wanted to see. And at this point, I'd rather have Chadwick Trump DH. Now, and Chadwick Trump is not good. You can point out that the Braves don't have a lot of bats on the bench either. It really doesn't matter. Literally anyone in baseball, and I do mean literally anyone in baseball, is better than Marcelo Zuna offensively. I mean, his WRC plus is not even at 20. Um, it, it, is, it is laughably bad. If, if it, it is the literal worst I've ever seen uh, from a player. And somehow, and I don't know how this is possible, but somehow he keeps getting worse. And I really think it's because he can't catch up to fastballs anymore. And if you can't catch up to a fastball, then you can't really do anything else. What's going to happen is you're going to have to cheat on that fastball, which means you're going to have to basically swing at everything. And if you're swinging at everything, they're not going to throw you breaking balls in the zone. And if you're already geared up for fastball, it's just not going to work. He just can't hit. He can't do anything on a ball field. He's not fast. He's a terrible defender. He doesn't have a good arm. He can't hit. He swings at everything. He's basically three to four pitches, and he's back to the dugout every single time up there. I don't know why they keep playing him. I don't know what the deal is. I really don't. The Braves aren't going to really tell you. I hope one day we do actually get the story of just why in God's name they keep running him out there. I wish, I really do wish that that we'd never have to see him again. Now, maybe we don't. The Braves did call up Nick Solak, who they had just signed. Uh, they called up Nick Solak today and placed uh, Eli White on the on paternity leave. I wouldn't be shocked to see Nick Solak in there again the next time we face a lefty. I'd rather have Nick Solak than Marcelo Zuna. At least Solak has been able to hit in the minors. He's never really translated it to the pros outside of a really small sample, his, his rookie season. But he is a guy that I think if Braves can kind of do what they normally do, make a couple little swing changes here and there, he is a guy that's had good power in the past, really good power in the past, and he's played on the dirt and he's played in left field. So that would, that would not be a bad way to go, especially if it comes at the expense of Marcelo Zuna, which it should. I don't, I don't know what the, what the eventual I'm done with you point is going to be. It already should have passed. But at some point, I think we'll get there. Now, shortstop is is now a little bit trickier. I, I really did not think Vaughn would struggle defensively as much as he has. And it's not that he's not getting to a ton of balls. I didn't figure he would have amazing range. And I've said this before. I don't need you to have the best range at shortstop to be a, a, a shortstop for me. You just need to be able to make the plays that you're supposed to make, those routine plays. Unfortunately for Vaughn, those are the plays that he is not making right now. And I, I've said this before. It kind of reminds me of Riley a little bit where when the play is one that, that is a routine play, something that he should just be able to, to kind of take his time and, and just kind of go normal with, those seem to be the ones that Vaughn is struggling with the most. It's just little mental errors. But he doesn't look comfortable right now. He kind of looks like he's fighting it. He looks like he's thinking too much about not making an error, and that's the surest way to make sure that you do make errors. So I'm ready to see Orlando come back. I still think Vaughn can be, a, I still think Vaughn can be good. He's still athletic enough to do it. Um, but while I still think that like Xander is like the absolute high side, I do think there is still a chance he could be a Xander level player, especially in offensively speaking. 
I'm starting to get Lord's Guriel vibes, and that's that's not a knock. I I really love Lord's Guriel. I would have loved Guriel on the Braves. I thought that was a fantastic deal for Arizona. But he is a player that is just athletic enough to play at a whole bunch of different spots. Doesn't play them particularly well, but he's just athletic enough to be versatile enough to play a bunch of different positions. He's a good hitter, but he's not a guy that that really impacts the baseball. He's not a guy you're going to look up and see hit 35, 40 home runs, anything like that. He'll cap out at about 21 to 25 in his best seasons, but he's a guy that just knows how to hit. I think that's still kind of what Vaughn can be. Maybe when Orlando comes back, we see Vaughn DH and work on uh, maybe fielding in the outfield a bit. I think that's a possibility. But I think as long as Sam Hilliard is, is operating the way Sam Hilliard's operating, he's going to be your primary left fielder. At this point, until you get Travis Darno back, and good news on Travis, he's taking swings too. Not so certain how much longer it'll be before Travis gets back. I think there's there at some point you kind of look at Vaughn and say, let's get him reps at shortstop for a while. But he is a guy that if, if his bat starts heating up, we want him in the lineup. Now, if the bat doesn't really start heating up, it becomes a much different question in regards to Vaughn. Not that I don't think he will ever be there. But the best thing about Sam Hilliard performing right now is that it's it, it gives the Braves an opportunity to go out and try to solve left field long term. Now, maybe, maybe that answer is Sam Hilliard. We've seen crazier things happen. I don't think it is. And I don't know that Alex Anthopoulos would want to bet that it is. But you ride that hot stretch as long as you can it takes a little bit of the urgency away from solving that left field. And maybe it gets you through the trade deadline and you can kind of work something else out. And if you start becoming convinced that Vaughn's future is not in the dirt and you don't think that his bat necessarily profiles as a left field profile, which is generally speaking a power profile, especially if you're not going to be a top quality defender, maybe you start shopping into some teams that still think, that his future's in the dirt, even if it's at second base or third base. I don't know. Again, I don't know. I don't have any insight on this. This is just this is just spitballing here. I'll talk about that a little bit more on Thursday. Or it's going to be kind of a special six four three episode on Thursday. Uh, we'll be actually taking the place of Chuck and Chernoff, so we'll be at four four to six. Chuck and Chernoff will be six to eight covering the NFL draft. Um, the and and that's what I'll be doing too. It'll be six four three and friends. It'll be me, Steve West, and Brandon Harper. Uh, I think don't. Quote me on this, but I believe we're going to have front office Los joining us for some draft coverage. So we're going to do like a hybrid draft and Braves type of show. There'll be a lot going on there, but I am going to talk about this because I want to see if, if this is really just, you know, my take because I'm still a little close to Vaughn. Maybe I'm overreacting just a little bit. We'll see. Or if this is kind of you know the vibes that we're getting. Now, again, Alex is never going to tell you that for sure. He's never going to reveal his hand, but I think we'll see. And if Sam keeps this up and Sam keeps doing what he's doing, I think the Braves found yet another diamond in the rough. Just just more great work by that by by Alex Anthopoulos and company. And it's great for the Braves because Sam is a guy that even if he becomes your fourth outfielder, that speed, that power, that ability to be left-handed too, so he'd be the primary primary platoon advantage guy. That's great stuff for the Braves. It's great for their prospects in 2023. Now, tonight, I want to see Charlie kind of keep it going. Uh, he's faced two good lineups here in a row. I'd like to see what he does against a bad lineup tonight. See if he's able to get swing and miss. See if he's able to go six, seven innings and, and rack up some punch outs. I want to see a double-digit strikeout performance from Charlie, if I'm being honest. If you can get that from Charlie tonight, I think the Braves have a great chance of winning again. Hoeing is not a great pitcher. 
been pretty decent in the minors this year. But he's, he's not a guy that, that should go out and dominate you. Braves lineup obviously feeling it after yesterday. We'll see if they carry that over today. Uh, but as long as Sean Murphy's hitting the way he is, Acuna is not going to go 0 for 4 very often. Uh, on Thursday, if I'm able to get another episode up, either Thursday or Friday, I've got some more topics I want to talk about with Ronald Acuna in particular. But I kind of want to hold off today. I don't have enough time to really dig into it today. So we'll just consider this a really deep tease. Suffice it to say, I'm kind of considering something for Ronald that I had not considered before and how I'm not quite certain how it's going to be viewed by Braves fans if this does end up being the case. So that'll give you something to look forward to Thursday or Friday in the second episode of the week. But for now, I'm going to have to cut, I'm going to have to cut this episode short. Enjoy the game tonight, everybody. Good luck for Charlie Morton. And let's see the Braves offense continue to capitalize. And let's see Marcelo Zuna back on the bench. That's going to do it for me today. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. That's going to do it for the 643 Podcast. That's all, folks. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Hey, sandwich lovers. Today is your lucky day. There's a whole new way to roll for lunch or dinner delight with Nucky's Hoagies in the Roswell Corners Shopping Center. Now open. Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell is family owned and operated by the subsisters, Stacy and Shannon, whose love language is food and Nucky's Hoagies, their passion. When you bite into a Nucky's Hoagie, you'll taste the difference. The softest hoagie rolls ever, along with hunger-quenching sandwich combinations. Make Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell on Woodstock Road your new favorite spot for lunch or dinner.